Well, as we mentioned earlier today, uh, there's an excitement because it's Rally Day, but it's also another holiday today. Anybody know what day today is? Yeah? Football season. Uh, that is true. Uh, it's actually Grandparents Day, uh, which for some reason doesn't get as much celebration as some of the other ones. Grandparents Day is a tricky one for me, just to be honest with you. Uh, my family moved around a lot. My mom has lived in, I think it's like 22 houses in her life. So we didn't grow up around grandparents. My dad's parents both died by the time I was very small, so I didn't know that set of grandparents. And so it was just my mom's parents. And that was a tricky, there was a lot of baggage and a lot of trickiness to that relationship. Uh, my, my mom's parents got divorced early 1970s. It wasn't as prominent then, uh, and so there was a lot of pain with that, and my mom didn't have a great relationship with her mom. So even though we lived far away, we also didn't want to go visit as much as you might otherwise. In fact, my, my mom didn't see her mom for over a dozen years at one point in her life. So I didn't actually meet my grandma until I was like four or five. There was a lot of little things, and there's a lot we could talk about of what led to the kind of grudges and the family drama. But I want to focus on one thing, and that's in the early 2000s, my last grandparent, my mom's mom, passed away. And so after the funeral, they bring a letter to my mom. They said, your mom wanted you to have this after she passed. So here's your last chance to say goodbye to somebody. And there's some little stuff about money and this and that, but at the very end of the letter, it says, I'm sorry you listened to your dad. He never told the truth in his life. Your mother, Aline. If you can imagine the kind of unforgiveness, the kind of anger, the kind of resentment that leads you down a place where even after death, you want to convey that. And so we're going to talk for the next month about forgiveness. And that kind of sounds like a fluffy word. Like, oh, yay, let's sing kubaya, and it's all like happy forgiveness. But C.S. Lewis said that forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. So it's one of those really simple and easy things. We can understand it, but to actually forgive is really, really challenging. And I want to say a few things about what forgiveness is and what, it, what we're not trying to do before we get into today's text. Today's text. Forgiveness is that, that process of letting go of whatever those negative feelings are towards someone, whether they deserve it or not. It's letting go of those feelings. And, and usually that anger, that hostility, gives way towards a level of empathy and compassion. Um, it doesn't mean reconciliation. Not all forgiveness ends in your ability to go and actually spend time with this person. It's not always safe. It's not always wise to reconnect, um, especially if you've been through abuse. We're not saying that what, what we mean by forgiveness is you need to just accept that and, and go about it like it didn't happen. Uh, and forgiveness does not mean that there are not consequences. So uh, Justice still happens. There are still boundaries that have to be made in the process of forgiveness. But what we're looking at is, can we release that anger, that hostility, that resentment? 
and get to a place of health where we, we let go of those things that have harmed us. And so my hope for us is that over this next month, we're going to go through like a series of progressively more forgiving messages. So today we're talking about unforgiveness and the toxicity of, of the anger and the pain and the stuff that build up when you don't forgive. But eventually we're going to get to a, a higher form of forgiveness. My hope is that through forgiving, we would unhook ourselves from the pain of our past that paralyzes us so that we can live to today and tomorrow to thrive again. So that's my hope for us this month. And so I want to mention that it, it's not just kind of a theological note. Uh, just for your own health, being more forgiving would benefit us. Uh, there's all sorts of studies about the level of stress or blood pressure, uh, anxiety levels, um, the, the, the pain that comes with chronic anger uh, that, that could really debilitate us if we don't forgive. And so if you live in that chronic anger, you live in this state of fight or flight at all the time. You're, you're up at arms, and something that's small that shouldn't affect you greatly affects you. And I don't think there's, you know, there's not too many better examples of fight or flight than Jonah. Because he's literally somebody uh, who's called to go, go give a message to a city, and he flies. Uh, he goes the opposite direction. He tries to avoid the whole thing. And when that doesn't work out for him and he has to actually confront the people, he wants to fight through God. He wants to bring judgment and violence and, and destruction on his enemies. And so I think we can learn a lot through Jonah, not because we should follow Jonah's example, uh, but because he actually shows something that's really human in us, that it's not easy to forgive, uh, that his response is kind of actually what's natural. So I want us to look at, at Jonah this morning. First things first, why is Jonah so upset? We don't get any explicit answer in the text, and I think part of that is if we gave a slight or a problem uh, it would limit that anger and frustration to one, just one thing. And so by keeping it vague, we can fill that in with whatever kind of slight and whatever kind of bad thing you can imagine. But to give you some background on Nineveh, it's the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which uh, destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel in the 8th century BC. And they were known for particularly brutal forms of invasion. So when the Babylonians came through and they destroyed Judah later, they would take people and exile them, and they'd take them from their homes so they could use those, those gifted people to build up their own homeland. But when Assyria conquered you, there was nothing left. They would just demolish you. And one of the particular ways that they tried to f scare you was impalement. So whereas Rome would crucify you and nail you to a cross to make you afraid and to kind of keep the uprisings from happening, they would put the body of someone on a stake where it would go up underneath their ribs and just let them hang there to keep you from ever wanting to, to test their power. And so if you can imagine, I think the author of Jonah doesn't care as much about what Jonah's particular problem is, but he knows the audience of this story does not like Assyria. They harbor resentment. They're upset about the atrocities that were done to them. This is the people who destroyed you, of course you're angry, of course you're upset with them, of course you hate them, is, is the mindset. 
And so I do want to say one thing before moving from that violent background. It may not be fair to know Assyria based on just that violent image, because if we characterized any society only based on their military uh, strategy or innovations or the way they punished criminals or things like that, we would be also at risk of being caricatured by a future later historian as, wait, you were the people that created nuclear warfare. I don't feel like we would feel like that's fair to just lump us all in um, based on the most devastating form of violence that we, we could create. But that's the imagination in the, the people that hear this story, is they're thinking about this people who completely devastated your homeland. So there's another fascinating thing that I don't want us to forget before we move on to this story. Jonah's a very small text. You can read it really fast. It's four chapters, very short chapters. And in the ancient world, you wouldn't write some small little book like that on a full scroll. Like, that's a waste of a scroll to have this tiny little text. And so this text actually traveled with the other minor prophets. So there's 12 minor prophets, and they traveled together on the same scroll. So that means that the book of Jonah travels next to books like Obadiah, that all it did was pronounce judgment on somebody. So there's something really interesting going on here that it's playing with the tradition, and the author of Jonah is, is challenging the mindset of his audience who is willing to think about God just sending judgment on people, who doesn't want to give people mercy or forgiveness. So that's the context that we get into this story, where we get to hear about Jonah. And I want to talk about how the toxicity of unforgiveness affected Jonah's life. When we start out the story, he runs from God and from his calling. And to abandon God, uh, that's obviously a very powerful thing to try to do. You can tell in the story it doesn't work very well. But we all get that inclination of, uh, I kind of joke about, in some church circles, every young person's fears, oh no, God's going to call me to be a missionary into that place I really don't want to go. And that's this story. And so Jonah doesn't want to do that, so he tries to run from God. But he's also running from that thing that he's been called to do. It's his mission, it's his, uh, his opportunity. And we often, through being slighted and getting angry and being unforgiving, can rupture that relationship to God or to each other or towards our ministry or towards whatever it is that God's calling us to do. I don't know if you heard on the news in the last week, uh, there was two uh, sports anchors for Fox Sports Detroit, if anybody watches the Detroit Tigers games, um, Rod Allen and Mario Mpemba, and they were two guys that get, get called games for a long time. Uh, over a dozen years, they called games together. And this last week, suddenly a fight broke out behind the TV booth. A lot of rumors about what exactly was happening, but what the stated reason for the fight was, was over a chair in the booth. And I think you would all agree, it can't just be the chair. There's a lot of unforgiveness along the way. There's a lot of slights that builds up and eventually just explodes and overflows. And for them, the consequence is, is they can't call a game the rest of the season. And their employer's trying to figure out what do we do with them for next year? Uh, do you, are you able to just give one of them a job back? Or uh, do they both have to go? How do you deal with this conflict? 
And so for them, their anger and their unforgiveness seems to have actually spilled over into um, potentially wrecking their career, their calling, their kind of vocation. And that's also true for us on our everyday scale, that at some point, if you keep harboring that unforgiveness and that anger, it's going to spill over and not in the right spot. It's going to be over something silly, uh, and it's going to potentially cut you off from the ministry or the calling that God might be calling you to. Jonah didn't just run from God and his calling, though. Many people don't notice that in the story, when he travels on the boat and he's going the other direction, a storm happens, the people figure out, oh, it's Jonah's fault. Jonah, what did you do? He says, oh, I was supposed to go preach to the people in Nineveh. Jonah's answer to what they should do to fix the situation was to not, hey, take me back to shore. I'm supposed to go to Nineveh. He said, throw me overboard. I don't want to go. Just let me die, right? That's, that's where he's at, is he doesn't want to go so badly, he just says, throw me off. And the fun thing of the story is that God doesn't allow that to just take place. You get the, the fish, and the, the fish is like the vehicle that takes him from the sea and forces him to go back to the dry land and go to Nineveh. Um, but, but that's what, what anger and unforgiveness does to you, is you start um, doing anything to avoid that one thing you know you should do. So he does go to Nineveh. He preaches the shortest sermon ever told. Here's the line. Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Mic drop. Leaves the city. Um, he has nothing positive to say to these people. He goes, all right, fine, I'll go. I'll tell them they're about to be destroyed. And that's the message. So, that's all he can imagine. That's all he wants for, for the situation is for God to destroy them. And he really wants God to join in his anger. And isn't that true of our own lives? That when we're unforgiving and when we can't forgive somebody, we don't want to be the only one upset. We want to bring others into it and also bring God into it. God surely must hate them just as much as I do. Jonah's not happy to find out that that's not how the story unfolds. So Jonah leaves the city after that short message. Uh, he set up maybe his little bag chair to watch the event. Instead of uh, 4th of July fireworks, he's waiting for the fireworks from heaven to come down. Oh, I just can't wait to see this destruction. And, and, and he has this interchange with God that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but God brings about this, this miraculous thing in the story that this little plant grows up and it gives him shade. He's like, oh, this Middle Eastern hot summer, you know, the shade is helpful, and he loves his shade, and the next day the shade's gone. And he throws a complete fit. Again, it's not the chair in the, in the, in the booth that sets you off. It's everything else. He loses his shade, and, and he just loses it. And, he, and God points out, you cared more about that plant and that shade than you do about all of these people. And so what little petty things do we care more about than actual human beings? And so when we get to the end of the story, we read this part um, where Jonah proclaims, And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to die than to live. Jonah has fully given in to the toxicity of that unforgiveness and that anger and that resentment and that hostility, and he wants nothing to do with life. 
He doesn't want to imagine a future for himself. He just wants to end it. That's, that's the pain that he's going through in that moment. And the funny thing about this text is, is he gets bad news, which is also good news. I'm going to read this. Uh, Jonah 4, 1 through 3. So after Jonah realized that, uh, and was displeased that God was going to be forgiving, he prays and says, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. And here's what he says, I knew about God. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. It's interesting that all of those wonderful attributes of God are what makes Jonah really upset in that moment. I knew, God, that you would be merciful, and I, I can't stand it. Can't you just bring down that judgment, please? Can't you just be violent this one moment? And so good news, if you've given your life over to unforgiveness and to anger, becomes toxic and it becomes bad news. God asked Jonah two questions in the story. We read one of them. He said, is it right to be angry? And I'd kind of modify that also to, is it, right, is it still right to be angry? Because you can't always control that initial emotional impulse that happens. But we have a duty to figure out how we deal with that emotional response. And so, whatever has happened in your life, whoever has harmed you, whoever has spoken ill of you, whoever's abandoned you, whatever that is. Is it right to still be angry? Is a question to mull over. And it's not because you weren't justified, or that doesn't make sense, or that, that's unconnected to our experience. But what good is that anger still going to do for you? How is that toxic anger going to help you anymore to hold on to it? And the last question... God asks at the end of the book, and this is really powerful, the book ends on a question, which means the audience is left with that question. And the question is, shouldn't I be concerned about Nineveh too? When we get slighted and we're angry and we're upset and we only think about ourselves, shouldn't God also be concerned about the other person? Our whole lives, we are both victims and villains. We are both who has been treated poorly, and the same who treats poorly. Uh, we're both of that mixture of those things. And so Jonah should be really excited that God is merciful because presumably Jonah has done some wrong things because we've seen him do some wrong things. Uh, he didn't listen to God. He, he disobeyed. He ran. Um, and so God's forgiveness is what leads him out of the fish in the story. But that same characteristic of God is what makes him angry and to the point of wanting to die. So, shouldn't we also be concerned about others, even the ones who harm us? Uh, psychologist Lewis Swedes once wrote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Like my grandma in that story this morning, um, 
my hope for you is that, that you don't want to take whatever that anger, whatever that pain is with you, even to the grave, that you would even lash out beyond the grave, that you want to keep that and hold on to it. My prayer for us all is that we'd be willing to see that we are imprisoning ourselves to that anger and that it's up to us to forgive. We don't need a second party to forgive. It's just on us. This isn't, remember, this isn't about reconciliation. You don't have to be best friends with this person, but can you at least release that anger uh, and, and live freshly? We're going to look at even more hopeful images of forgiveness as we move forward over the next few weeks. But what I, what I want to challenge everyone to do is as you leave, there's, two, there's some baskets by both sets of doors. And in the baskets, you'll find little rocks. And what I ask is that you just pick a rock. You know, one of the rock might speak to you. Maybe you want a big rock, maybe you want a small one. Um, and there's little cards next to it that you can take with you that have instructions about what to do with the rock for the next month. Um, there's some markers back there that you can use. You've got to shake them up to use them just to give you a little note. Um, but what I want you to do is to think, at least for this first week, about where is a space of unforgiveness in your life? Who is someone that has wronged you that you know that you haven't gotten past? And I want you to let that rock symbolize that person for you. So whether you have a Sharpie at home or you want to come use the paint markers up here, just to be able to write either that person's name or something that identifies that hurt for you on that rock. And I want you to carry that with you this month, uh, in part because one rock isn't incredibly heavy, but if you pick up the basket, it gets heavier the more you, rocks that you're carrying around. Um, and so, it, it, you aren't required uh, to forgive that person this month. You are invited to. And the way that I'm asking in that instruction set that you'll see is over here we've got a little basket. And if you make the decision at some point over the month that you want to release that, we're giving the symbolic opportunity to actually release it and just to drop your rock back in this basket. And so hopefully over the month, we can release some of that pain so that we can unhook ourselves to live and to thrive even more today and tomorrow. Um, and so that's, that's the journey that I'm inviting us all onto is, is this look at forgiveness for the next uh, for the rest of this month. Um, and so there's no great resolution to the end of this because uh, we still have forgiveness to look forward to. But I do hope that you see that there's a toxicity to holding on to that anger that you at least want to imagine walking towards forgiveness. So if you join me in prayer. God, It's, it's always some of the most easiest things that you ask us to do that are the hardest. And Lord, I ask that you would work on our hearts, that you would get us unstuck from the pains of our past. Not that they don't matter or that they don't have meaning, but that you would allow us to live freely and to release those pains and to transform those pains into something useful Lord, don't let us fester over our past pains. 
Move us away from that path of destruction. Call us closer to you instead of letting us run uh, afar from you. Lord, let this be a moment of power and of release and of freedom for us over the next month. And as we pray in the Lord's Prayer every week, Lord, um, help us to forgive as we are forgiven. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen.